Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Welcome. You're listening to Adair Prayer's Morning Bible Study. My name is LaCharles, and we're so glad you could join us. But before we get into the word, let's open up in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for all the blessings that you have poured out inside of our lives, Lord, and that you have given it to us, Lord, even though we did not deserve them, Lord, but that you have always given it to us, Lord. And Lord, we also just thank you for the opportunity to walk in step with what you have for us inside of this earth, Lord, to walk in the destiny track, Lord, and to enter into your rest. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. So thankful to have you with us as we continue our study of the Word and in the book of Hebrews. So we are in chapter 4 and we're continuing on or to cover on verses 11 through 16. So whether it's your first time joining us or you're rejoining us, I'd like to invite you to pause the episode at this time just to take a the opportunity to read that section of scripture and make it easier to follow along in the discussion. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. And now, as is our custom, the floor is open to give each of you the opportunity to share what Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and to ask any questions that you have. So who'd like to begin? I would. All right, LaCharles. So I would like to begin by reading verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And the Lord, what the Lord was showing, actually, before I get there, let's go to Ephesians 6. Are we speed reading today? (laughs) I have a lot I need to cover. Oh, okay. Okay. So we'll start at inside of verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and we see here that um the lord is referring to similar things um similar weapons here and we have to understand that all the things that and this also goes down into one he talks about jesus being the high priest he understands what it's like to be human that's my paraphrase of it Mm -hmm. and how we have to understand that the Lord has given us all these weapons and he uses the same things that we use. Um, touching back inside of Ephesians, he he gave us all this armor because that's what we have and that's, that's what he uses. So we see here that the Holy Spirit is making that known where it's talking about the sword, which is the sword of the spirit and how as he's using it, that's how we're supposed to be using it as well inside of our own lives. It's not supposed to be okay, I use my sword of the spirit one way and the Lord uses it another. I'm using mine to try to hack people down, but that's but the Lord is using it to build people up to encourage them to move forward. That's not how it's supposed to work. We should be using the weapons that the Lord has given us in the manner that the Lord tells us to use them. Mm-hmm. And we see here and we see in other places inside of the gospel where it said Jesus perceiving the thoughts, of, um, perceiving what was in their hearts. So in the example where they put down the paralytic man through the roof, mm-hmm. how he knew what the Pharisees were thinking mm-hmm. and responded to them in such a way by asking them, is it easier to say, take up your better walk or that your sins are forgiven? Mm-hmm. And how we see here is that Jesus was actively using it in that moment, though he was no longer um, 
he was still God, but he wasn't in heaven like that. He mm-hmm. was on earth as a human mm-hmm. and walking and functioning in that role. And he was still able to use that. We know that everything that the Lord did, we should be able to do as well. Not replacing the Lord, but um, as children, I can't speak for the, from the perspective God, of an adult. God because as dear children. That's right. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, tell me and about it. And from my observations of adults and children, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you would see that um, the child, te- especially when they're smaller, they tend to try to emulate what their parents are doing. And they try to... Mm-hmm. Try to the best of their ability to do what they did, not to mm-hmm. replace them, but because mm-hmm. they love them. And that's how mm-hmm. we should be inside of our relationship with the Lord, that we're walking in step with the Lord and emulating what he's doing, not to where our own gods and think that we are, mm-hmm. but because so we're pleasing to him and because that's our desire and that's who we love. Well, there's there's more to that, right? So it's not just about emulating or replicating, duplicating, copying the actions right yes there with it also is a right the lord tells us throughout scripture to gain wisdom right gain knowledge and with those things get understanding right Mm -hmm. yes okay so it's not just about being able to replicate or copy what your parent did or parents or right what our lord did Oh, it's written here, so I'm copying that, and and that justifies everything. No, let's also gain, with that wisdom and knowledge, the understanding required to do the right thing. And by right, I mean righteous. Righteous is always right, but right is not always righteous. Yes. Okay? So, but to do the righteous and just thing at the appropriate time, that is a huge difference. Okay? Yes. A child early on can copy their parents in pouring the milk. Mostly. Uh, there's going to be some spillage, right? Right. But in, in the grand scheme of things, they're still copying or replicating the actions. Yes. But again, no real understanding of even how to do that thing, right? They're just mimicking or copying the motions, the or, actions. Or even why they're pouring the milk. Right. So so in there, right, let's, as, as we have all been saying, let's come up to a, a higher level with the Lord, a higher level not just of the works and doing, but of understanding, the fully understanding the wisdom and the knowledge that he has given us and has even more to give us. Yes. All right? And how, as we're doing that and understanding the mindset of the Lord and what you were um, talking about, Dad, that we should understand his heart, not his actions like the children of Israel. They understood what he did, but they didn't understand who he was in the regard of, um, so for you, Dad, I know why you say certain things because I understand and I know you. And, and we've had conversations, which I've told you the why or my heart concerning the matter, right? Yes, Dad. Okay. Doesn't Where's, that help? Yes. There's no questions to be asked right now. You know, because you heard it right from, well, from me. Yes. Okay. Should be the same thing with our Lord and Savior, but continue. Yes, Dad. Whereas a stranger, I I will not know why they're doing certain things, and certain things would probably make me mad if they did it to me, because I don't understand why they're doing it. 
But when we understand the heart of Jesus, then we're fully able to go into this. Jesus is not just wielding his sword because he likes the feel of it inside of his hands and likes to slash at people. That's not the reason he's doing it. He's doing it to edify and to build up. And the Lord reminded me of this way. So like inside of a hospital, you sometimes have to cut the clothes off people in order to mm -hmm. help them. That's how mm -hmm. it is inside of our lives. He's cutting away the stuff that's prohibiting us from prohibiting him from helping us deal with the cause of it. Um, I would say more accurately, it's prohibiting us from entering into life, fully entering into life because he doesn't have to help. He does because he wants to. And we are the ones who benefit from his help. And we are the ones who have um, a heaven that we are trying to go to, right? We, we are the ones who are trying to reach our destination and reach the good destination and avoid the wrong destination. So anything he does, it's true, it's true. Anything he does is to help us reach that destination that we desire, which is to be with him. So cutting the clothes off, for example. Yeah, you might go, that's my favorite shirt. But if that shirt is prohibiting you from taking good deep breaths or, you know, things like that, and you need oxygen in your body, the shirt won't matter much if you're not alive to enjoy it. Uh -huh. Right. So yes. the habits and all that other kind of stuff don't mean quite so much if they're going to, they're going to take you straight to hell. So I'd rather get rid of the, the rubbish and take my sweet self on to Jesus here and now and, and later. <laughs> Then hold on to an idea or um, a, you know, a habit or whatever it is that the Lord is, is trying to, trying to free me from. Now, let's talk about the, the Lord and the sword, um, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the living word of God. Amen. In uh, Revelation, he talks about um, the sword that proceeds out of his mouth. And he was, when he was talking to the churches. And, um, what he was saying to them was get in line so that when I come to look, the sword can be used to deliver you and to free you and to help you rather than having you find yourself on the other side of it. And it's dealing with you rather than liberating you. Oh, oh you got it. Got the scripture. Read it to me, sweetie. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Um, mommy, where would you like me to start? This is. Um, Revelations 2, it really starts inside of chapter, um, not chapter, verse 12 and goes down to the 17. And to the angel of the church in Pagamos, write, these things says, he who has a sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and do not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have the have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Yes, repent or else I'll come to you quickly and will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him of the give some of the hidden manna to eat and I'll give him a white stone and on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Okay. Amen. So back to verse 16, it says, repent or else I will come to you quickly and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So the ones that are on the opposite side, he has a, a responsibility to judge 
because he is a righteous judge. That's an yes. obligation that the Lord has set to and for himself. But when you look at the um, example that you, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm forget who said it, but to the ones who took the, the the roof off and let the paralyzed man down on the bed. That was me. That was you. Okay. Um, and he said, which one is easier? He used the sword of, of the spirit, the word of God to set the man free. That's why uh-huh. he chose or the Holy Spirit chose the words that he said, because the man, right, in, in that time, they felt like um, the priest and everybody else felt like if you were born crippled or something of that nature, it's because either you sinned, even in the womb, or your parents sinned, and you were bearing the brunt of their sin. And the Lord came to help that man be free in his mind. You're going to read that to us? You got it, sweetie? I'm flipping there. Take okay, me let me know so. when you get it. The words that were spoken to him were the words that Holy Spirit knew would set that man free from the oppression of the adversary. And so that's why the Lord chose the words that he said, rather than saying it maybe in a way that he had said to other people, because this particular man could have been concerned about what was being told him and and preached in the synagogues. Read it. Go ahead, sweetie. Um, I'll start from verse uh, 19. Where are you? This is Luke 5, sorry. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> Luke 5, I'll start in verse 19. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the t- tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that she may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Okay. Amen. So, as this man being paralyzed was also at a lower rank in society, right? So the people in the synagogue, the rulers and all that other stuff, like, and we see in a later example of this about someone who was, um, I believe the man that was born blind mm-hmm. and, um, they were questioning why he was born blind and it was oh, it was either your sin or your parents sin who sinned in this case. And the Lord said, you guys, you're missing it. This is for the glory of God. Not that God made him blind, but God understood that it was sin that was stealing his eyesight, sin that was stealing his this particular individual's ability to walk. And the man, as long as he had a knowledge of his sin, and he's constantly concerned with that I sinned in the womb, oh my goodness, um, you know, my parents sinned, that's why I'm born this way. How can I ever escape that? What can I ever do about that? So when Jesus came and spoke the word of life that the Holy Spirit put in his mouth, it was to speak to the root of what was happening in this man to cut away what was holding him in bondage. And then he spoke the word of life to have him feel liberated to go ahead and stand up and walk. So that again, the people, the Pharisees are concerned about things that are contrary to God. But when the Lord speaks, 
And when our, our, the Holy Spirit speaks, this is how he talks. He speaks to the root of things. He knows what's holding someone in bondage. Whereas someone else in a similar circumstance, that may not be their issue. But the Lord ministered to each person what they needed. And so that's what the sword of the spirit is for. That's what the purpose of it is for. And the adversary that the Lord is dealing with throughout time is the devil, right? We've already yes, read in, in John that hell is reserved for Satan and his angels. Mm-hmm. So, and he's saying, don't put yourself in alignment with that. Otherwise, that's what we read in Revelation. Otherwise, the sword is going to be against you, the one that's coming out of his mouth. It's going to be against you, not because God is targeting you, but because you've aligned yourself with the devil. So for us, making sure that we understand who our God is and the purpose of it, he is come to deliver us, right? He came that we would have life and life more abundantly. So that's to cut away all the bondage that the adversary has tried to pile on top of people and keep them um, oppressed and bound. But Jesus is cutting that away. If we let them. And then likewise, that's what our mouth is supposed to be doing. And not by me going, these words sound powerful. Ah, let me do it. No, no, no. Saying what the Holy Spirit says, because he is the one who does the work. That's all Jesus did was listen, Holy Spirit, here's the situation at hand. What do you say about it? Then he said exactly what Holy Spirit said. And he did exactly what Holy Spirit told him to do. That's why things look different in certain circumstances when he ministered to people. And there's, that's why the, also why there may have been some similarities. He did what the Holy Spirit said because Holy Spirit knew what was at the core of the situation at hand and what would bring those people freedom. Yes. As you were speaking, Mommy, and you're saying that, the Lord was also reminding me that when we... um also see in all these instances that when he was using the sword all the things he was doing like the pharisees they were trying to use the word of god to bonk people essentially Mm -hmm. they're using to condemn them and to shame them and to feel like they were small and that they should be listening to the pharisees allowing them to do with what they wanted but the lord was not using the spirit like that we um also see here that he's dividing the uh bone and marrow Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And how when he's doing that, it's never to harm us. But as mm-hmm. humans, that's how we think of it at times. I've known, mm-hmm. I know sometimes it hurts. And I say, <laughs> no, does. Lord, no. And I, I don't necessarily want it in that moment because it looks don't like. Don't touch that. <laughs> yes, because it looks like it's going to hurt me in the moment. And it feels like that's too much. But the Lord always knows what's good for us. And that's what we see here. It may seem like it was too much for these people who have lived there. Uh, whole lives in this, such a crippled state or blind to ever be healed as you're saying they had the doubt who sent me or my parents and i know for myself it was my parents i would have been angry <laughs> <laughs> he, he was in the womb how could he know how can i send in the womb right all those questions that may have been on his mind but you know when you guys were little and you would get a splinter you would come because you wanted me to fix it you go oh mommy look at it it's right there And you'd come and present your hand, tears in your eyes, wanting me to fix it. But the moment I got the tools and reached towards your hand to fix it, you'd wince and draw it back. No, don't touch it. Ah. So I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do here? (laughs) How can this be? You know, you came to me to get help. But then when I brought the help that was appropriate to deliver you and allow you to be restored, 
you drew away because you were afraid that my help was going to hurt more than the pain you were already facing. Well, you were misguided. And after, you know, maybe a little bit of threatening you and wrapping my legs around you and holding you still, and you let me get the tweezers in that hand and, you know, I had to hold you down and pluck the splinter out, then each one of you, those tears evaporated like a fresh morning after the rain that they, they went away. The sunshine came out you put a smile on your face. You looked at it. I kissed your hand and then you kind of went away. Like, and then you ran off like, Ooh, thanks. Ooh, I sure feel better now. And you totally forgot the scene that you caused when I was trying to help you. So sometimes we treat the Lord that way. We go, Oh Jesus, I need you. And then when he comes with the, the medicine, his word and himself and the order that he wants to create in your life and what he says needs to be taken away, we draw back and we start boohooing even louder thinking the, the medicine that he is or the, the word of God or the method that he has to heal us is going to be worse than the pain we were already feeling. Well, if you leave the splinter in place, it's going to leave cause pain and infection indefinitely. But if it's removed and if it's a little bit painful, then your body has a chance to heal and move forward. So realize again, you know, let us not be like that little kid that goes, Oh no, help me. Don't help me. But (laughs) receive the love of the Lord and know that he wants your good and he is working for your best interest according to his perfect will. Amen. There's a lot in there. So let's pause there for today. And with that, can I get a volunteer to close this out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Layla. Lord, we thank you for all the help that you are in our lives, Lord. And we thank you for your willingness to aid us in our time of need, Lord, and to fix us up, restore us, and repair us, God. We appreciate that, Lord, and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we ask that you will mend those that are broken, Lord, strengthen those who are weak, Lord, and that you'll give strength to those who need it and endurance so that we can all finish the race that you have set before each and every one of us, Lord, so we can make you proud. We thank you for your faithfulness and your commitment to do those things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Want to know more about a day of prayer? Sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest updates on the ministry, inspiring messages, and coupon codes for the merch shop. Visit our website, adayofprayer.org. Click on connect in the menu bar and complete the form. Be sure to check the box that says subscribe. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.